Welcome to the most energetic, positive, happy, and healthy podcast in the world. Living the dream. Dream stands for diet, rest, exercise, attitude, and meaning. I'm your host, certified health coach, motivational speaker, sober since July of 2016, American Ninja Warrior competitor, two-time world record holder, and ultra-marathoner, Matt Scaletti. Here we go! Welcome back, everybody. Matt Scaletti coming to you. I need to tell you before we kick this off, I could not be more excited to tell you about this story. And I think whether you're a runner or not a runner, you're going to find a lot of value in this. A lot of value. I just gave a speech virtually about this exact event, and I feel like it went well. I was excited to share it. By the way, if you ever need a keynote speaker, motivational speaker for your school, for your business, for your organization, for a big event, hit me up. You know where to find me. All my info is in the show notes on Instagram. DM me at Matt Scaletti. I'd be happy to do my best to add value to your event. Let's dive right in. Life lessons from a 75-mile run. (laughs) So let me set this up. To train for this event, I had been running a decent amount. I did this 48-mile ultra marathon that a mentor, I consider him a mentor of mine, David Goggins, does this event where you run four miles every four hours for 48 hours. So you basically run for an hour straight, and then you take three hours off, run for an hour straight. So you're running it at... 8 p.m., at midnight, at 4 a.m., at 8 a.m., and it's just a wild, fun, awesome event that I was blessed to be a part of, and I I loved it and also used that as a confidence booster to this event that I signed up for just outside of Pittsburgh. It was two weeks after the David Goggins event. I recovered and did as much with my body as I could. I got two massages. I was taking ice baths like every single night, icing down my knees, my ankles, my Achilles, and just did everything I could to get back to 100% before this event. It's called the Rabid Raccoon 100K was the event that I signed up for. By the way, a 100K is about 62 miles, and there's a reason the podcast title is called 75 Mile Run, which I will get into shortly. Bottom line is I felt great physically, mentally. I felt prepared. I was excited for this event. I signed up sort of last minute. I wanted to see how my Achilles felt after the David Goggins event. I had no pain and figured let's let's get another one under the belt. Let's go for another trail run in this Raccoon Creek State Park. So the 100K consisted of this. It was about a one to two mile run until you get to this loop. And the loop was 20-mile loop, which you went around three times. I think you had 36 hours to complete the whole thing. Maybe it was 48 hours. No, I think it was 36 hours. Yeah, it was 36 hours. But a 20-mile loop is a huge loop, in my opinion. So it wasn't like I've done some events where it's been a mile or two-mile loop, and you can consistently get back to your car or an aid station, et cetera. That was not like this. They did have four volunteer run aid stations, which was very nice. It was about every five miles or so you had an aid station. 
uh, but you could not go back to your car because it was too far away. You could have some bags that you would leave at one of the aid stations if you needed extra socks or clothing, et cetera, because the temperature did swing wildly. And that became the biggest factor that I was not expecting, which was the rain. Not saying I was not expecting some rain, but the trail got very muddy, very quick. Imagine this loop. You're basically, imagine being out in the woods with a bunch of mud that could potentially, I almost lost my shoe multiple times. Being in the middle of nowhere, that's sort of what it felt like for the majority of this 20 miles. Gorgeous area. You're running over creeks. I think you had to switch back over a creek like 10 or 12 times throughout the course of the event. So your feet are getting wet. You're trying to navigate. You have to, you have to go over a log at one point, which was pretty cool. It was like a felt like being on a balance beam over this creek, which the, it was about, I don't know, four or five feet down. So you wanted to be careful. Really beautiful course, very challenging course, a lot of technical areas where you needed to be very careful or you would slip and fall like I did many times out there. I took a couple Instagram pictures of my hands, how many times I was falling. It must have been 10 or 12 at least. And you need to be careful of falling or turning an ankle on a rock. There's rocks everywhere. Just keeps you focused throughout the course of the event. And I want to go through and share my thoughts with you on how it went and also give you some lessons that I learned, not about ultra running specifically, but about life in general. And let's kick it off with the first four miles. By the way, the gun goes off and it started raining like 10 minutes into the event, which I thought was kind of funny. And I was enjoying the rain because I had the right gear for it. And we'll get into that in a little bit. But we start the event, we get to the first aid station, which happened to be a couple miles in. I started talking to one of the race directors and volunteers. As some of you know me, I tend to talk a lot, maybe too much sometimes. And I was just getting a feel of how the event was run. And I love learning about people. The one guy happened to be a marathoner as well. So we started getting into that. There was only like 12 people in the 100K. And the other 11 went ahead of me because I was talking to this aid station. So I was like, yeah, you know, that's fine. We're going to basically be on our own the whole time anyways. That's no big deal. So I talked to him for a couple minutes and I start running. I get about four miles in and there's these blue flags that marked the course. And you followed the blue flags and or this one loop, I think it was called the Heritage Trail. Let's just say it was the Heritage Trail. You want to follow that loop. So I get to mile four and the, the road, the trail, single, single, really narrow trail splits off in two. You can go left or you can go right. And there were a couple blue flags to the left and to the right. So what did I do is I think, I don't know if panic is the right word, but I let myself get way too confused way too quickly. And I made a really quick decision. I made a left and I started to run that direction. And what did I do? I started playing games in my head. What if I'm going the wrong way? There was there was blue flags in both directions. How do I know which way to go? This is stupid. They should have marked this better. This is, this whole race is ridiculous. How could they? How could we not know where we're going? This is what's going on in my head. Tons of different stories going on in my head. And this is lesson number one that I'm learning about myself as well. What story do you tell yourself? Think about that. What story do you tell yourself? Think about somebody at work. And they don't like their boss. So every day they come in and think to themselves, I don't like my boss. I hate this job. This is ridiculous. My boss controls me. He or she just 
like controls the way I feel and my coworkers, they like, sometimes they bring me down versus what about this shift? That's one story. Story number two is how can I add value to my team? How can I accept the challenge of maybe a difficult boss and still be in a great mood walking in there? How can I rise above it? What can I change in myself that'll make me feel more happy and fulfilled, right? There's always going to be people in our lives that are going to eat at us in some capacity, right? There's going to be negative Nellies. There's going to be people that you tell them a goal and they say, why would you ever do that? I've had people and some used to be close to me, not anymore, but that would question how happy I am. Matt, you're too happy. You're way too happy. What? You ever heard somebody say, you know what? You should be more sad. You're way too happy. (laughs) I don't want to spend any time with that person if they're worried that I'm too happy. My default is happy. I can't help it. But as I'm out there and I make this left turn and I start running, I have that crap story in my head. It's two different stories I can tell myself. The crap story is, oh man, I made a wrong turn. Well, I I might not even finish now, but that's okay because I made a wrong turn. So now I have an excuse. Whoever marked this course doesn't know what they're doing. They're stupid. This is so ridiculous. I can't even believe this is happening to me. I'm smarter than this. They, They did the course wrong. Whatever the crap story is, that's all going on in my head. And then I stop myself and go, okay, sort of laugh at myself. Like, okay, negative Matt shut off that story and let's reframe this and start a different story. What's the other story? The other story is the badass story where you say, you know what? When this event is over, I can look back and say, I made a wrong turn. I screwed up. I should have known, but I'm going to overcome this, run an extra few miles and get it done and take quitting off the table, right? We all have two different stories. And a lot of us live, including myself, I live with the crap story. I lived this for a decade when I was an alcoholic. I blamed everybody else. It was a crap story. Well, my friends are all drinking. That's why I drink. Well, at family parties, my family drinks. That's why I drink. I blamed everybody except for myself. The badass story was I control the alcohol that I consume. It's on me to quit if I want to. So what story do you tell yourself? So I take... I take what I thought was the wrong turn. I make a left. I run two miles to the left. And I think to myself, I think I'm going the wrong way. I got to turn around. I turn around, run the two miles back to get to the point where I made the left and I make a right and go that way. I run two miles to the right. Realized after two miles, I probably realized after a mile, mile and a half, but I didn't confirm it until later. I'm going the wrong way. Turned around and went back. So now I'm eight miles out of the way and I go left. And I go the way that I went the first time. And that was the correct way. But here's the, all, here's the other kicker. It said, there was a sign that you had to pay attention to this. And it was not a huge sign. But it said, Heritage Trail to the left. Had I taken a few more minutes when I got to this V in the road or T, whatever you want to call it, I probably could have figured it out and not run an extra eight miles. So I make the left. I finally realized after you know an hour that I'm on the right trail, which was... I was happy about, but I had to keep that story in my head of, you know what? I made a wrong turn. This is my fault. I'm owning that. I'm not going to blame the course director or whoever run the event. Had I taken the time, I could have figured it out. And the tough 
mental toughness story had to take over my head and say, you know what? Okay, I screwed up. I'm running an extra eight miles. So be it. So what is the story you tell yourself in life? And this made me think of so many other stories that I tell myself and how I can reframe the story so that you have the badass pulling out of you and not the whiner complainer story of wah, wah, it's the course director's fault. No, it's not. It's my fault. Let's own it. Let's move on. So I get past that, which was a psychological warfare going on in my head. I'm starting to overcome it, which is good. It rained on and off most of the day. And then nighttime hit. So the event started, I think at eight or eight 30 in the morning. So you're running until now it's like, what is it? Seven, seven 30 at night. When it gets dark, you put your headlamp on and it was raining and the course was very slick. And there was a part of me that started to have doubt creep in where now it's pitch black. Let's say it's eight or nine at night. It's raining, it's foggy. And I'm thinking, you know what, is this even worth it to be out here? Like this could get dangerous at some point. I can only see five or 10 feet in front of me. That's not good. I'm out here alone. That doubtful person got in my head for a minute. And then I just thought, you know what? I enjoy meditating. Let's just quiet the mind. Let's just enjoy being outside, being in nature. I thought about this as you, as a kid, as I'm slopping around in the mud, because now the course is like a quagmire. It is, it is soaked. You're slipping, I'm falling down. I'm thinking as a kid, what if I was an eight-year-old kid? How fun would that be? I get to go run and slide around in the mud at midnight, at 2 a.m., at 3 a.m., at 6 a.m. Like, how cool is that? Like, I was like, think of this like a little kid. Enjoy yourself out here. This is an incredible moment. And it became so peaceful. I had my phone off, you know, with all the distractions that we have on a day-to-day basis. Think about it. Your phone, you have your email, text messages, social media, direct messages, TikTok, Instagram, advertisements that you see. If you're driving, you can't even avoid it. You put on a podcast, they have an advertisement going on. You have coworkers pulling you in different directions. Your bosses, your kids, your spouse, your boyfriend, girlfriend, whoever. All these distractions. And I'm out in the middle of the night by myself. I see nobody for hours at a time. It's just me and nature, the trees, the birds, the deer, whatever else is out there. And it was so peaceful. I kid you not, I'm not exaggerating. This is as quiet as my mind has ever been, but also being focused because you need to make sure you see where you're running. Quieting my mind, I'm starting to realize how powerful it can be. And it took me this event to realize it. Running out there in the middle of nowhere, just me and my headlamp. And it was so peaceful. It was so quiet. It was just, it was gorgeous. The moon was out. It was sort of lighting up some of the tops of the trees. Quieting your mind can bring on such power that it's amazing. I didn't realize how powerful it was. Even through meditation, I think I started to understand it, but not until this event that I realized, holy crap. With all the distractions that are going on every single day in my life, in your life, in everybody's lives, what if I just took a few minutes every day and just quiet the mind? Sit, maybe you put on some light music, maybe you meditate, maybe you don't, maybe you just sit and think, but make sure there's no distractions. It was the most peaceful I think I've ever felt in years. And the other thing was, it's you versus you, right? 
We all know comparing yourself to others is a recipe for disaster. I know it, and this event made me realize it. It was me versus me out there. I've done some events where I've had a crew member or two, people helping you out, and that's all well and good, but it also makes it easier for me, right? This event was me versus me. I had no crew. I drove there by myself. I drove home by myself. And there's a lot of power in that that I never really realized. My confidence went up so much more than it ever had in any fitness event ever. It was partially because the pain I was in, but it was also because it was me versus me. I was running the event solo. And I would almost ask each of you, and it doesn't have to be a, you know, a crazy ultra marathon, but run a 5K, go by yourself. Just run it for you. I've done events where I run it for charities and those are, I love doing that. At the same time, doing it for yourself and just being in your own head and your own heart and seeing what you have, just you, it's just you versus you is, is a level of intensity in the best way that I have a hard time describing, but it was powerful. It was very powerful. I call myself the one man army out there. And in life, you know, it's just me. At the end of the day, it's just, there's only one person you have to spend the rest of your life with. And it's you. That's it. You versus you. The paradox that drives us all, as a Rocky song says. So that was it. Quieting my mind was something I never thought was going to happen in this event. And it was so peaceful and quiet out there that it gave me a new appreciation for so much. My mind, life, nature, being outside competition, everything, you versus you. That's all it's about. So I'm running through the night. I'm falling down many times. My feet are on fire. I had never had this much pain in my feet in any event in my life. And it started early, by the way. It started about mile 18 or 19, which was sooner than I thought it was going to be. And my feet were wet, you know, it had been raining on and off. And I learned something for those of you that are close to me, We've talked about this, but my blisters, when I took my socks off, and it's always one of the worst parts of an ultra marathon is seeing how bad your feet look. I never had blisters like this in my life. And I think the rain was a big part of it. I think the socks were a really big part of it. And I'm, I've just, I bought a bunch of different kinds of socks because I'm going to work on this. I want to make sure this never happens again. It doesn't hold me back from a future event. I use this stuff on my feet called Salty Britches. I love the I love the name. I know the owner of the company now. I reached out to them and it, I think that saved me really was the Salty Britches. Had I not put that on my feet, I think it would have been a lot worse and I might not have been able to finish. So I'm still trying to figure out the right shoe for trail running. Clearly that's different from running on the road. I'm trying to find the right sock for when it's raining or if it's cold or if it's hot. There's just so many things that go into it, and I'm still learning that process. If anyone has any advice for me, if you want to comment, DM me, hit me up on Instagram. Let's chat about it because I want to continue to help out other runners as well with the footwear, the socks, the um, salty bridge, whatever it is. Let's have a chat about it. So number one, what story do you tell yourself? These are the life lessons. Number two, quiet your mind. I need to spend time every day quiet quiet. And I would suggest that you give it a shot. Just give it a shot. Start with a minute. Quiet for a minute. Shut it all down. See what it's like. Third one 
there's no one more important than the other, but is gratitude. Gratitude. My feet were in the most pain they've ever been in, as I said. I, I've never felt like that pain on my feet before. And I think it was probably because it was the longest trail run I've ever done in my life. Did a 100-mile ultra marathon in 2020, but it was on the road. Had never done 75-plus miles on a trail before. And there was some doubt of, wait, what if the pain gets worse? What if, this, what if this starts to feel really, really bad? What if the pain in my feet keeps getting worse and worse and worse? What am I going to do? I can't finish. My feet will feel like they're on fire, right? This doubt gets into your head. And that's why I love these longer events. It, it, long, short, it doesn't matter a whole lot, but it's a mental game. A lot of people think to run 75 miles, you have to be in great physical shape. That's true. Of course, that's true. You have to go 75 miles or 60 miles, whatever it is. But it's a mental game more than anything. When I ran my first 100-mile ultra marathon, I had a mentor of mine say, the first 50 miles are physical. The last 50 are mental. He basically said, half of the whole event is in your head. Incredible to think about that. I think he was right. And I appreciate that advice from a fellow ultra marathoner. But the last takeaway is gratitude being grateful for being alive. I'm grateful that I'm outside running. For those that don't know or don't remember, I was out for 15 months with an Achilles injury. Ran 21 marathons in 21 days in August of 2020, raising money for a charity. People kept donating. I had to keep running. <laughs> and looking back on it, I should have stopped earlier. But you know what? Hindsight's 2020. I did it. I partially tore a few different areas of my Achilles, I'm down for 15 months. Now I'm running this event in the middle of the night. My feet are hurt worse than ever. But you know what? I'm not injured. It's just the pain of running a long distance. So the gratitude was I'm outside. I'm back running the good Lord and the good doctors, Dr. Onishi, who's become a close friend of mine. He did a procedure on my Achilles to help me get back on my feet, literally, and the stars aligned to allow me to run these ultra marathons again. How could I not be grateful for that? Yes, I was going through pain, a lot of physical pain. But I knew it was not injury. I knew it was just the discomfort of doing this long of a distance. And I, I fell back into gratitude every time I was going through pain and just thankful to God, thankful to the doctors, thankful to my physical therapist that helped me with exercises that can strengthen my Achilles. So much had to go well for this event to happen and for me to complete it. I feel so blessed. So the, the final punchline is finish the event. According to one of the race directors, I went 74 to 75 miles. I didn't have my watch on the whole time, so I don't have the exact number, but it was somewhere over 70 miles after I screwed up twice. There was another time I screwed up. I made a wrong turn coming out of this, coming out of the woods. I made a right. I should have gone left. But these are all setbacks that happen in ultra running. And it relates to life. Setbacks are going to happen in life. And when setbacks happen in any fitness event, this is why I do them. It prepares me for setbacks that I'm going to face in everyday life, whether it's business, relationships, finance, health, doesn't matter. There's going to be setbacks and pushing myself and my body to the max actually help me more mentally than it does physically. Final takeaway is for those that follow David Goggins, who wrote a great book called Can't Hurt Me. He is a chapter in the book where he discusses the 40% rule. 
in his mind, this ex-Navy SEAL badass dude feels that when we all think we are at our max capacity in whatever area we're in, we're only 40% of the way there. That's what he believes. Think about that. If you actually believe that, think about that. If you believe that and you went and you ran 10 miles and you believe in the 40% role, he's saying you could run at least 20, more than 20, right? We are all capable of so much more. I do this. I limit myself. I do this all the time and it frustrates me. I'm talking to a close friend about this, myself included. I'm capable of so much more. Why do I put limits on where I think I can go? I'm learning to remove some of these limits. It's going to take a long time, a lot of growth, a lot of processing. But the more you remove these limits from your life, your potential becomes truly unlimited. You're unstoppable. This event taught me that. I thought I could maybe, if I push really hard and everything goes well, I could do this 100K, 62 miles. Ended up doing 13 more than that. That's a full half marathon more than that. Never thought I could do it. I used to do these events with one or two crew members. That's fine. But you know what? That made it easier. I did this one solo. I never would have thought in the last five, six years I could do an entire ultra marathon by myself. The only cheering section was in my own head. Pushing yourself to the max. At the end of the race, by the way, you know, the fanfare that was there, and I love the Pittsburgh Marathon, and it's so motivating. You have thousands of people cheering you on. At this event, there was one person at the finish line to give you your medal. One person. Nobody there cheering you all the way through. And I love both. I love when people are there. That's inspiring. I love it. But also, there's a part of me that also loves just as much when there's nobody there, because that means it's you versus you. Nobody's going to see if you push hard at the finish line, right? Nobody's going to see that. That's on you. What are you going to do when nobody's watching? I love that. I just got goosebumps saying that. And I think that's so huge. When nobody's watching, are you going to make that extra phone call? Are you going to send that email? Are you going to reach out to that person? Are you going to push through the last 100 yards of a 75-mile ultra marathon when nobody's watching? I love it. I have this on my vision board. I'm looking at it right here to my left. Integrity. I think about this word every day. This says on my vision board, it says, integrity is doing the right thing when no one is watching. Are you doing the right thing when nobody's watching? Are you pushing to the max just as much when there's people watching you and there's fans out there cheering you on? Are you pushing just as hard when nobody's there? You are a one man and one woman army. You're the only person you're going to spend the rest of your life with. You and I are capable of so much, whether you're on your own or with a team, it doesn't matter. How much are you capable of? Go find out. You got this. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to another episode of Living the Dream with Matt Scaletti. I'm so grateful for you. Please share this podcast on your social media so others can benefit from this valuable content. Also, please subscribe to my podcast because if you aren't, 
I am watching you. <laughs> Check me out on social media and message me if you need me as your keynote speaker. At Matt Scaletti on social media. I respond to all messages. Thanks, and I love you so much.